0: Settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. There's always a chance, Doctor, as long as one can think. It's The Great Mouse Detective, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We're going to get right into it. We got to talk about The Great Mouse Detective. Don't have all of our segments, but we got quite a bit to get into. So we're going to jump right in with a Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. If you have not watched or read The Great Mouse Detective, or it's not called, the book's not called The Great Mouse Detective. It's called Basil of Baker's, er, yeah. Oh, they rebrand. You got to rebrand. Yeah, it's rebranded. Okay, I looked at, I looked down at Katie's <laughs> book, and it does say The Great Mouth Detective, and I was like, oh, yeah, they they've retitled it for a post-movie release, I would imagine. But uh, yes, it is called Basil of Baker Street. If you have not read the book or watched the movie recently, here is a brief summary sourced from Wikipedia of the film. In London, in June 1897, a young mouse named Olivia Flaversham is celebrating her birthday with her single father, toy maker Mr. Flaversham. Suddenly, a bat with a crippled wing and a peg leg bursts into the toy shop, kidnapping Flaversham. Flaversham. Flaversham? Flaversham? Probably Flaversham. I don't know. Uh, Olivia sends... Leaves to find Basil of Baker Street, the famous Great Mouse Detective, but gets lost. David Q. Dawson, a retired army surgeon mouse newly returned from Afghanistan, meets Olivia and escorts her to Basil's residence. Being busy already, Basil initially dismisses them. Olivia then mentions that the bat that abducted her father and ba- uh, the, mentions the bat that abducted her father, and Basil realizes that Olivia saw Fidget, the assistant of Professor Ratigan, the criminal mastermind whom Basil has, was working to catch. It is then revealed that Radigan kidnapped Flaversham to create a clockwork robot replica of the Queen of the Mice, so that Radigan can usurp her place as supreme ruler of all Mousedom. Flaversham imish- initially refuses to participate in the scheme, but capit- capitulates when Flaviga- Flavigan- <laughs> Radigan threatens to harm Olivia. Meanwhile, Fidget appears in Basil's window, then suddenly disappears. Basil, Dawson, and Olivia take Toby, Sherlock Holmes's pet Basset hound, to trail Fidget's scent. They trace Fidget to a human-sized toy shop while searching the area. Dawson finds Fidget's checklist, and Basil discovers Fidget has been stealing clockwork me- mechanisms and toy soldier uniforms. Fidget ambushes and kidnaps Sylvia before Basil and Dawson can stop him. Basil then does some chemical tests to the checklist, discovering that it came from the Rat Trap, a tavern near the junction of the sewer and the Thames. Basil and Dawson disguise themselves as sailors and head to the tavern, where they spot Fidget and follow him to Radigan's headquarters, only to be ambushed by Radigan and his henchmen. Radigan has the pair tied to a spring-loaded mousetrap connected to a Rube Goldberg machine of various killing devices. Radigan then sets out for Buckingham Palace, where his henchmen hijack the Royal Guard's rolls and kidnap the Mouse Queen. Inspired by a remark Dawson made, Basil deduces the trap's weakness, freeing himself, Dawson, and Olivia. At Buckingham Palace, Radigan forces Flaversham to operate the toy queen while the real one is taken to be fed to Felicia, Radigan's pet cat. The toy queen uh, declares Radigan the ruler of all and he announces his dictatorial plans for his new subjects. After Basil Dawson and Olivia save Flaversham and the real queen... They restrain Fidget and Radigan's other henchmen while Toby chases Felicia until she jumps over a wall inadvertently into a pack of royal guard dogs. Basil seizes control of the mechanical queen, making it denounce Radigan as a fraud while breaking it into pieces. Realizing Radigan's treason, the enraged crowd attack, but Radigan escapes on his dirigible with Fidget... Holding Olivia hostage. Basil, Dawson, and Flaversham create an airship from a matchbox, balloons, and a union jack and set off in pursuit. Radigan loses Fidget overboard to lighten the load, however, Basil jumps onto the dirigible to confront Radigan, causing it to crash straight into the Big Ben's clock face. Inside the clock tower, Basil restrains Radigan, Radigan rescues Olivia, and safely delivers her to Flaversham. Radigan breaks free and attacks Basil, however, when the clock strikes ten the vibrations cause Radigan to fall to his death. He attempts to take Basil with him, but Basil grabs a part of Radigan's dirigible and saves himself. Back at Baker Street, the group recounts their adventures, Flavershams depart for home, and Dawson reluctantly resolves to leave as well. A new client arrives, and Basil introduces Dawson to her as his friend and investigative partner, prompting Dawson to remain and assist in Basil's future cases. There you go. There is a brief summary of the film, The Great Mouse Detective. Let's get into it. I have some questions. No guess who this week. Uh, But again, we have we have lots of other stuff to talk about. So let's get into my questions. In was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. What? What? Honestly, don't you two read?
1: Uh, So first off, I have a disclaimer. Uh, So there, this is a series, this book is a series, the Basil of Baker Street series, and there were five books in that series when this film was made. I have only read the first book in the series, so it is entirely possible that the movie pulled things from other books. Yes. So if you've read all of
0: these, yeah, yeah. let us know. There are
1: things in your questions that I know that were pulled from other books. Okay. So
0: so you so you'll comment, I assume, on the stuff, you know, but there's other stuff that may also come from other stuff that you're just not aware of. Yeah, is your point. okay so my first question, uh, when we get right into the story, I want to know if the inciting incident is similar. Um, As I mentioned in the summary, uh, the inciting incident in the film is that a a toy maker, a single father toy maker, Scottish toy maker named something Flaversham, Mr. Flaversham, uh, gets kidnapped by a mysterious bat. Uh, and leaving his 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 daughter all alone. And I wanted to know if that was the inciting incident in the film, or the book.
1: It is not, but it's kind of a, a twist on the main plot of the book, which is a father seeking help from Basil to find his kidnapped twin daughters.
0: Okay. Any toy maker involved here? No. Okay. Well, we'll I have more questions about that later, but we'll get into it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so then, we're introduced in the film to Doctor Dawson, who is our Watson stand-in uh, in this Sherlock Holmes adaptation, shall we say, homage. Um, and he, in the film, he's introduced. He's just returned from Afghanistan, where I-, I checked the timeline. He would have been serving, I believe, in the Second Anglo-Afghan War. Yeah. And I want to know uh, if that if that plot point of Doctor Dawson being an, uh, an Anglo-Afghan war vet comes from the book, because I also need to know what the heck were the mice doing over there. <laughs> Why were they in? I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't think the book ever specifically mentions that he's a war vet. I don't think. But I'm pretty sure it's just the, a correlation to Dr. Watson, who was a war yes, vet that's in the original Yes, that's definitely stories. what it yeah. is, Yeah. But I would assume that the British mice were colonizing the <laughs> Afghan mice. I know and, nothing and, about and that I mean, war. So. I, I also know nothing about <laughs> it. But like, I know time. the history of Britain in general. Yes. So yeah. like,
0: and I believe that, and I believe there there's definitely at least some level because I think when I did a very quick look, the Anglo-Afghan War was, I believe it was a like a, almost a proxy war between like afghanistan and i want to say like the the british raj of india Mm. or something like that it was basically that makes sense and so it was britain and i think britain was fighting but it was like mainly they were anyways almost like a proxy war kind of deal what it sounded like i don't know i'm sorry i have no idea i literally just looked at the year to see what what war that would have been uh because we knew it was 1897 that uh that Dawson would have been returning from, but yeah, I don't know what the mice would be doing. Over- I guess they're still enlisted <laughs> in this universe, which is, or they go on their own. I don't, I don't
1: know. I don't know. I,
0: we don't, I mean, we the, don't get much about the inner workings of the mouse world. Appear,
1: but it appears to be a, a direct mirror of Absolutely. the human world. Yes. So there's a monarchy. There's I a queen, can only there's... assume that they were also fighting a proxy war.
0: One, would I don't assume. know. Who knows? So then we're introduced to Basil who is the Basil of Baker Street, the titular Basil, the great mouse detective himself who is our Sherlock Holmes stand-in. And very early in the movie, uh after Dawson meets him, we get this introduction or we get this line where he literally just quotes a direct line from maybe the most famous direct line from Sherlock Holmes where he's saying talking to Dawson and he says it's elementary, my dear Dawson, uh, which is just legit straight up Sherlock Holmes rip and i wanted to know if the book was as like overt in the fact that the this is just sherlock holmes to down to like using lines from sherlock holmes
1: yes (sighs) but not the same way that the movie does it okay so the movie essentially is just he he is the sherlock holmes of mice right Right. Yes. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the same name. It's not like it's an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes, but Where all he's of just the characters Holmes, are mice. Yes. But he is essentially Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And we do see human Sherlock Holmes in the background as like an Easter egg kind of
0: in the book thing. No, in the in movie, the film. In yes. the movie.
1: Yeah. yeah. The book's approach is different. Basil in the book is obsessed with Sherlock Holmes and wants to be like just like him and he'll like sit and like listen to him talk about his cases in his parlor and then he like takes his trash and he has a little shrine to Sherlock Holmes in his parlor okay I preferred what the movie was doing I will say
0: I think that could, that could, we obviously don't see any of that in the movie, but we'll get to, I have a question later about kind of a similar topic, where I think that could also exist in the movie's universe, then we just don't see it. That's fair, I but guess. We, but but to be fair, like, to your point, in the film, we none of that is he is not like obsessed with Sherlock Holmes and stuff we'll get I have a question because we find out later he literally lives in Sherlock Holmes's home yes <laughs> he lives in yeah. uh two two one two Baker Street or B Baker Street or whatever hence the name basil of Baker Street but yeah uh, yeah it was interesting and uh but in the book I guess my direct my, my main question is does he ever directly like quote Sherlock's home lines in the book?
1: I think so, yeah. He does okay, say okay. elementary in the okay. books from my memory, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so then we're introduced in the film to our per- our antagonist of the film, which is Ratigan, who's the evil giant rat. And I wanted to know if that was our antagonist in the book because we knew, obviously, that, um, like you said, this is going to pull from probably multiple different books and we mm-hmm. weren't sure if it was maybe more of just the characters and how much of the story would be the same. And so I'm interested to know if maybe... Everybody's favorite uh, evil rat, Radigan comes from the book.
1: In The Disappointment of the Century, Radigan does not appear in this book.
0: Oh, no. I know.
1: I was pretty disappointed. He is a central antagonist in the series. He appears in other books, but he okay. is not in this first book. Uh, this, obviously, is better in the movie.
0: So, in this instance, at least, the character does exist in... The series yes. and is probably a similar role of seemingly like um, Moriarty to yeah. his yeah 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 to 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 Basil's Sherlock Holmes, um, at least that's the vibe you get in this movie. It's hard to tell, but he you know he's been working on other cases investigating Radigan, and the way he talks mm-hmm. about him is like he's kind of his nemesis or whatever. Which mm-hmm. again is you know the whole deal with Moriarty. So I assume that's what's going on, um, but we'll never know because they only made one of these movies. If he would have returned for. <laughs> I actually have a question about, or I had a note about that later. That they could have had him return, maybe. Could have, yeah. Uh, so speaking of Radigan, and uh, so now we know Radigan isn't in this book. But I'm interested to know if the antagonist in this book if, is their plan to create a copy of the Queen of Mice so that they can then usurp uh, the throne, essentially, and become ruler of all Moustum, because that is the central, you know, narrative in this. Right. Is that's Radigan's plan.
1: This plot, (laughs) no, this (laughs) plot line does not come from the book. So the book's main plot line revolves around a gang of mouse thugs called the Terrible Three. And they have kidnapped this pair of twin mice girls to try and strong arm the residents of Homestead. Mm. Which is a mouse neighborhood built in Sherlock Holmes' cellar. Okay. Um, to try to strong arm them into leaving their homes so that this gang can use it as their headquarters instead. Okay. I think the movie's plot is more interesting. Um, I, I like the higher stakes.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. And so I, I think, because it, it wouldn't surprise me if you said this is obviously a series of books with at least five of them and then they reboot or, you know, they started making yeah. more of them. um, not too long ago within the last decade or so it wouldn't surprise me if uh so you said they're called the does this have a subtitle does this book have like a subtitle like other you know no. what i mean like does it have like a so i was wondering if um because is the power of three a sherlock holmes story
1: i don't know <laughs>
0: I, I'm uh, going to admit something very uh, <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> the vast majority of my Sherlock Holmes knowledge comes from the, the, the BBC Sherlock oh no. starring Benedict oh government, no. <laughs> um, which I know is not, you know, uh, the, the maybe the most faithful adaptation of Sherlock ever necessarily. But that is where the vast majority of my knowledge comes from because I did watch the first. Three. I didn't finish the series because they made a season later. I don't think I finished it, but anyways, I watched most of it, enjoyed it at the time. Mm -hmm. My point being, I'm wondering if in the book series, if it if it's doing a more direct adaptation of like Sherlock Holmes stories, like if they're basically if she was this author was like taking the narratives from traditional Sherlock Holmes stories and then doing like mice version of them with some twists and that sort of thing.
1: I'm not sure I okay. I am not well read enough like I've not read enough Sherlock Holmes to say that for certain I didn't see anything when I was researching these books that like indicated that to me okay. but yeah. maybe
0: yeah well either way regardless the point my point that I was kind of getting at still stands which is that it makes sense to me that it, making the movie they go okay we want to make a movie based on the series kind of. Um, We like the idea of Sherlock Holmes, who's a mouse. Let's just go jump straight to, like, a big story that involves Mm -hmm. this version of Moriarty as opposed to, like... Because, you know, they probably knew they maybe most likely weren't going to make another one or whatever. Uh, This kind of wasn't really Disney's... At least theatrically, that wasn't really Disney's M.O. was, like, you know, making sequels to
1: right not at the time not at the time
0: to making sequels to their animated films so they're probably thinking this is a one-off so they're like all right let's just use radigan who's our moriarty let's make this the story much more Mm -hmm. high stakes whereas if they had been doing this maybe as a series or something yeah they may have been more inclined to stick to like for the first one in the introductory story be a little bit more restrained and Mm -hmm. and have the story not be quite as grand as this one ends up being would be my guess
1: yeah no i agree
0: one of the things that I thought was really interesting in this movie that I did not recall is that Rattigan, uh, despite his name, is very self-conscious about the fact that he's a rat. Or is he a rat? I don't know. I yeah. assume he's a rat. <laughs> um, but when people call him a rat, he's like, how dare you? <laughs> and he feeds them to his cat. Uh, what was it? Felice, Felicia? Felicia. Felicia? Uh, his giant cat that he has. Um, and I wanted to know if... Oh, well, okay. So yeah, you're not going to know, but maybe you'll know something. I was gonna. My question was if Radigan is similarly self-conscious about being a rat in the book where he like says he's a mouse. Because mm. I thought that was a strange, interesting choice.
1: Yeah. So according to Wikipedia, he is actually a mouse in the books. Okay. But I'm pretty sure he is supposed to be a rat in the movie.
0: Oh, definitely. I would think. He looks like I a rat mean, yeah, compared just, to the rest of them. Yeah, just physically. He doesn't yeah. look
1: like... He's supposed to be one of the mice. No. He looks like a rat.
0: He looks like a rat for sure.
1: I do th- I I do think the movie's take is more interesting. Like an insecure rat.
0: Yeah. Who like w- who like wants, to be, wants to be a mouse. Yeah. It definitely gives him some some underlying sort of motive. No, I don't know if motivation is the right term, but some underlying baggage yes. that helps motivate <laughs> his, his his villainy.
1: A, his a desire to to rise up. Yes.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. Okay. Uh, but speaking of uh, Felicia, the giant evil cat that he feeds with a that he calls with a bell and feeds uh, his minions to, I wanted to know if that came from the book that you were aware of.
1: This is not from the books that I know of. Uh, I'm a little mixed on <laughs> Felicia. I think it's interesting, I, but I I cannot stand for cat slander.
0: Is it slander? It's just eating mice. What's she's the slander? I mean,
1: she's not exactly like uh a. Uh a nice character
0: no but are cats not allowed to be evil
1: <laughs> i mean we could get into the systemic portrayal of cats <laughs> i
0: i get what you're saying <laughs> yeah no i get what you're saying is very very typically uh for a long time cats have are are treated poorly in movies and are you know in in comparison at least to dogs are are seen as more cruel like
1: yes cats typically portrayed as villainous selfish cold yeah dogs portrayed as noble selfless exactly etc yeah and this movie
0: very much leans into that with toby the um the bloodhound versus felicia the cat definitely the case um and so i get that but you know it's that aside cats can be villains yes It's just a problem when all cats are villains. <laughs> and yes, this was part of that problem. So uh, speaking of Toby, on the other half of that uh, the equation, I wanted to know if Toby the Bloodhound came from the book and if Toby the Bloodhound also ostensibly belongs to Sherlock Holmes, because I believe that is Sherlock Holmes' dog in the film.
1: Yeah, that, that seems to be. Yes. Unless it belongs, he belongs to Watson, maybe. I don't know. Um...
0: Oh, and and tagging on to that, because this is where well, how they're able to get access to Toby. Do does Basil just live in Sherlock Holmes's home? Yes, he does. Okay, yeah. Okay, interesting. I was not expecting. He's obsessed that. with him, right? And I, I guess I, yeah, no, that makes sense. And after hearing that he's obsessed with him, I just, I truly did not realize that was the case. I again, so I we mentioned in the prequel and stuff that I was like, I bet this unlocks a bunch of memories in my brain because I know I've watched this movie, and it didn't really. I think mm-hmm. I must have watched it so young. Mm-hmm. that it's just mostly gone. Cause I there was very little of this movie that like there was hints of it where I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of vaguely remember this, but like not not really. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't in the same way that some other movies we've done where I'm like, Oh yeah, like holes or whatever where it's like yeah, I, I, I haven't watched it in ten years, but like I remember this movie very vividly. This one, not not as much. There was there's some elements here and there, but Overall not and, and him like being directly Sherlock Holmes and like living in Sherlock Holmes' actual house was not something I recalled. So that's interesting uh, but the dog is the dog um Toby the the bloodhound from
1: As far as I know, Toby is a movie edition. okay. And while I do love the addition of Toby, I also on the flip side think that having a bloodhound who leads them right to the bad guy feels a little bit like cheating.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an uh, like
1: <laughs> he didn't really have to do any detective work. That's
0: true. Yeah, uh, that is true. He definitely just kind of be like, all right, here's all the right, thing. Here's the th- and all right, here's thing. right, let's him.
1: go, Toby. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Uh, but then they realize they need to get to this uh, this club, this seedy little uh bar down by the Thames. And in order to get in, they disguise themselves as sailors because it's like a, it's down by the river. So it's like, it's populated. Its patrons are mostly like dock workers and mm-hmm. stuff. They're like sailors and dock workers and everything. Uh, and I wanted to know if they go to a seedy nightclub uh, and have to pretend to be sailors. Uh, and then also, was that a SME reference? Is, <laughs> is Dawson intentionally dressed kind of like SME or was I imagining that? <laughs>
1: Uh, so they don't go to a seedy club, in the book they they do disguise themselves as sailors for a good portion oh, of it. Okay. Uh, I know I got very excited because I was like, oh my god, something <laughs> I recognize from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they are they're disguised as sailors because they are in a, a port town, um, trying to blend in with the locals uh, okay. so that they can so find out at least a, a hint of an uh, idea. Yeah, very there. similar. Yeah. Um, and Dawson does wear an eye patch. In the book. So that is also similar. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the movie's version is meant to be a reference to Smee. I guess. assume. It's, he sure looks. the crop top. Yes. The crop top is the dead <laughs> The crop boy. top and the little slouchy hat yeah. thingy that he has. He has a little
0: slouchy <laughs> cap that, that Smee has, I think. So, yeah. All right. Let's get to the big one. The, <laughs> the big question on everybody's mind. The sexy mouse cabaret. <laughs> wow did this come from the book
1: <laughs> it, was, it was certainly a thing
0: it was certainly um, a thing they go to a cabaret uh initially there's like an octopus juggling or something like yeah. that uh they boo them off the stage and then a, a lady mouse comes out and sings a you know a song initially but then the curtains close briefly and then it opens back up and she is now Wearing far less clothing than she was <laughs> in the previous version. Uh, garters and all. Uh, thighs for days. Mouse thighs for days. And I wanted to know if any of this comes from oh, the book.
1: put that on a t-shirt. Mouse thighs, <laughs> Mouse thighs for, for days. days. <laughs> so to probably no one's surprise, this is not from the book. Yeah. Now, objectively, I think this is a pretty neutral addition to the film. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really do much of anything. It doesn't really do much of anything. I don't think it really detracts personally. Mm -mm. It's just like a kind of funny thing that happens. Right. For me personally, I'm going to call it better in the movie because I think this scene is hilarious. This is true. Like, I have always found it funny that this mild striptease scene exists in a Disney movie
0: at all. Yes,
1: But my sister and I also have about a half dozen inside jokes about it. (laughs) Um, The main one being the lyric, like at one point she sings, I'll take off all my blues. Mm -hmm. And we would like clutch our pretend pearls and look at each other and gasp. She was only wearing blue. (laughs) She was only wearing blue. But this scene is now even funnier to me, knowing the possibly true backstory yes. that we discussed <laughs> in the prequel. Yeah.
0: Emphasis on possibly true. Possibly true. Because <laughs> yeah. I think,
1: was that an IMDb, that an IMDb trivia f- fact? Yes, so but possibly But the, the true. trivia fact, possibly true, was that they had decided that it was okay to include this scene specifically because it's mouse burlesque <laughs> yes, and not human burlesque. If it had yes. been a human that would have been Not bad. Allowed. but a mouse is fine. And yes. like, to me, that is such a chef's kiss. Perfect encapsulation of American Puritanism. Yes. It's so haze code coded. Yeah. I I love it. Ten out of ten. <laughs> no notes.
0: Yeah. It's also. Yeah. It's I, I believe I also read that it was edited down a, a fair amount, um, nearly cut several times because, yeah, there there was concerns, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately was left in the film. There was also, I discussed at the end of the prequel episode, that maybe there, this is partially involved in the reason that supposedly this movie was delayed coming to home video mm-hmm. it was because of this scene. Potentially, I, again, I don't know how true any of that is. I'm sure there's there was at least controversy. I'm based on all the stuff I saw, there was definitely at least some controversy about it and whatnot. Again, who knows how true the specifics <laughs> of that all are. I'm sure there's a fascinating documentary out there somewhere, mm. or something, or a book, or something that I was not able to, that I did not track down. But yeah, it is. It's, it's a scene. It's definitely just a burlesque scene. Yeah, in the middle, just
1: just in the middle of, of, a, of Disney a Disney movie. animated kids movie. Just just a little mouse singing about taking her clothes off and yep. drinking beer.
0: And this is this is what uh this is this is the America that the the right wants to go back to. This is our good, pure, <laughs> clean, fun that. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Again, I I am also fine with it. I don't think there's really. I think this is like oh, I, depending on the age of the child is up. But I think this is on the edge of like yeah. If your kid's like you know, I don't know what age, but like, like this is. I will. I think say this too, is a perfectly reasonable. That I remember
1: watching this movie as a kid. Yeah. And I I don't think I watched it a ton as a kid. Yeah. I was a little bit scared of it. Yeah. Because there are a lot of like kind of darker moments. There are yeah. a few jump scares. Yeah. But. I had no memory of that particular scene until I watched it as an adult, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah,
0: (laughs) and that's the thing. I think you wouldn't really get because it's not like she's like nude or whatever, and you don't have the context of, um, like cabaret or burlesque to really know like what she's just singing a song in a somewhat revealing outfit, kind of, but Mm. you know what I mean. So it's not really, um, again, I don't, I don't think without context that kids would really know necessarily yeah. what was going on here. Uh, and and it, and unless you really listen to like you like you said, your line or the thing your sister talk about how she's um I'll take off all my blues and like I I you would never notice no. the con you know.
1: No, not never not in a million years.
0: No, any of that stuff you would never have noticed. So yeah, I again I think it's fine, but it is just funny to me that Yeah. But it is, you know, it's very straight, I guess, so that's why it's fine. <laughs> According to <laughs> The modern right. This this is fine. As long as it's straight <laughs> burlesque mouse burlesque, then it's good. <laughs> if she had been doing it for an audience of women, we would have had issues.
1: Or if it had been mouse Or drag. if it had been
0: mouse drag, we would have had issues. That would have issues.
1: been terrible.
0: <laughs> uh anyways. <You're> an attractive <laughs> mouse. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna do? <laughs> uh does Radigan trap them oh, so then we get to the part where they get they're they're chasing they go after uh fidget and they get to Radigan's hideout but they end up getting captured
1: yeah it was a trap
0: it was a trap a ruse uh and they get they get tied down to a mouse trap because it was a trap get it um so they're they're tied down to a mouse trap and then he, uh Radigan has set up this very elaborate Rube Goldberg device um as the which I mm-hmm. didn't even realize that the the wikipedia which is it's just what it is. Um you know, it's a bunch of different like weapons and stuff yeah. that are all triggered by like a record player starts and then it like pulls a, a string and it pulls a cork and then down. a mar- yeah, yeah yeah. And it does this like step by step thing and then eventually it ends with them getting hit by the mouse trap, shot with a gun, hit with a an axe, shot with an arrow yeah. and like smashed with a and an anvil or it's whatever. It's the most
1: cartoony thing yes. in the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, very looney really. tunes,
0: yeah. And I wanted to know if this whole escape, this whole scene where they're tied to this ridiculous Rube Goldberg machine uh, and have to escape just in the nick of time comes from the book. Because I thought it was a fun scene. And mm-hmm. this is one of the scenes that my I remembered, like yeah. that I was like, as a kid, I was like, I remember this because I thought that was a lot of fun. I, Rube Goldberg devices are delightful, always. <laughs> um, and this is one of those that, yeah, definitely stuck in my head.
1: This is not from the book, at least not the book I read. And uh, this is definitely better in the movie. This is actually my favorite scene in the entire movie. Yes. I Everything about I it is hilarious and iconic. Yes. From Radigan's Goodbye So Soon song. Like, if you listen to the lyrics of that, they're actually pretty funny. Yes. Um, and to... Smile, everyone, when they or get out of the trap. They get out of the trap <laughs> and, the and the photo they take off. the photo. Yeah, and it makes me hope that Radigan survived his fall off of Big Ben just <laughs> so that he can see that photo.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I also love uh, the the because it feels very in line with Sherlock Holmes style character that mm-hmm. that Basil um, it just kind of accepts death and gives up like yeah. for, he's like ah well you know like after they're captured he's like i'm an idiot what are we gonna he's just like yeah. uh.
1: and then he has a brain blast. but then he has
0: like a brain wave and it's like i got it and then comes up the most ridiculous yeah, nonsense he's to get doing them equations in his yeah, mind and, and and it all boils down to like set the thing off timing basically just time the trap so that when the marble falls it the, the mouse trap hits the marble yeah, the right trap S- so it. that catches the marble which keeps that from the the mousetrap from killing them and then they're able to get out essentially after some other hijinks but yeah it's a it's a great scene it's a lot of fun uh and it's I, I i i agree i really enjoyed it um but not in the book or at least not in this book uh so then uh he they get to the i skipped a lot of stuff because it's not super important but they get to the buckingham palace where radigan has usurped the queen's throne with a robot queen that uh, the toy maker has created uh, for him at threat of violence to his daughter. And um, they he has usurped the throne, but they show up, as I said in the, in the summary, they're him, blah, 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 but then Radigan escapes and he escapes on his dirigible because mm. of course he has a dirigible, <laughs> which is fantastic. What to...
1: What is a, a story set in this time period without a dirigible? Yes. Can you even have one? No. No.
0: But that's my main question. I wanted to know if there's a large dirigible chase <laughs> at the end of the of the book that includes uh, Basil creating his own hot air balloon. It's not a hot air balloon, I guess, but his own uh, aircraft out of balloons and like a, a Union Jack and a matchbox uh, to chase down Radigan. Because this all felt very movie to me, especially the way it all plays out, like this big like chase scene in mm-hmm. in the dirigibles. I want to know if it came from the book.
1: You are correct in your assumption that it feels very movie because absolutely none of this is from the book. And and it is a very movie climax, but it, it's worlds more exciting than the book's climax, which does feature a brief encounter with an owl, but otherwise is pretty anticlimactic.
0: What happens with the owl?
1: Um. So basically, they, they are able, with help from the local police force, they're able to capture the terrible three. And then they have to go find this carpenter mouse who the this gang was like, um, what's the word, like strong arming, oh, okay. um, threatening blackmailing Blackmailing, yes, okay. into helping them. Uh, so they go find him, and they're like, uh, we, we caught the gang. Uh, can you take us to the twins?" And he's like, "Yes, I will take you to the twins," and takes them directly to the twins." And then there's an owl for a minute and they're like, oh no, an owl. And then they go get the twins and they take them home and everything's fine.
0: All right. Well, hooray. (laughs) They succeed. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I assume none of that was in the book. Uh, and then, um, also my almost at the end here of my questions, I assume not based on what we talked about in the prequel and what I know about this scene, but does any of our big final, uh, climactic face off inside of big Ben take place in the book?
1: Um, no, we do not see the inside of Big Ben in the book. Yeah. I do think it's a really neat set piece. Yeah. And I think it still looks pretty It actually good.
0: looks really good. We talked about so a lot of this is uh CGI which was kind of one of the first big kind yeah, of really new computer time, generated yeah. um scenes in a Disney movie. A lot of times like Little Mermaid and stuff gets referenced uh, as mm. having some of the first CGI in Disney, but this this whole scene is or inside with the gears and stuff, parts of this are all CGI. Um, I'm sure there's different ways for what <laughs> counts and what I'm sure they're yeah. in this. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, um, if you didn't listen to the prequel, I, I had a feeling this wasn't in the book because we had mentioned that one of the animators, I believe, or artists or something uh, came up with this idea to have them. Originally it was all supposed to take place on the front of big Ben. Uh, and they had decided to have him go into big Ben because, um, that one of the animators had seen a Japanese animated movie and it was actually Hayao Miyazaki's first film that he worked on, mm-hmm. I think as an animator, not as like a director or anything. Um, and so they, they had kind of pulled that inspiration from that. It's a very cool scene. Like you said, it holds up really well. Uh, and it, I, there was one thing in particular I thought was really cool. And the movie doesn't really do anything else like this. It was the most, maybe the most modern looking shot in the movie to me. And maybe that's also has to do with the CGI and stuff. But there's this moment where, the camera is looking at Basil. They've like fallen through the clock mm-hmm. and they're on a gear and Basil is like getting up from the ground. He's like recovering because they've just like fallen through this clock face and the gear is rotating and Basil is rotating. And then uh, because the gear is rotating... Uh, Radigan like rotates in into frame like his back like staring at Basil and it's super cool it's like a super creepy moment because you're not expecting him and he just like he it revolves him into the camera frame, uh super cool little moment and again I was like well that's not that does it's just like a very it felt like a very modern shot to me in a way that just didn't really fit but I was I was like that's really cool, um so yeah just little things that I thought were neat. Uh and then my final question is at the end uh the clock strikes 10 as we mentioned and and uh Radigan slips and falls off the face of Big Ben uh seemingly to his death. And I wanted to know uh and then at, right after Basil then falls uh as well. He like Radigan like grabs him and they both fall seemingly to to their death. But at the last second it's revealed that Basil like, caught a piece of the dirigible that was falling. Yeah, caught,
1: like, the little bicycle pedals with the propeller. That had, like, the propeller,
0: and is, like, using it as, like, a a one-man helicopter, basically, (laughs) to fly back up to them. Very silly, but I wanted to know if there... Most importantly, if there's, like, a big moment where everybody thinks Basil died, but then, ah, he's actually alive.
1: Uh, No, Basil is never once thought to be dead in the book. Uh, Again, I do think this is a good change Books ending pretty anticlimactic, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I was I had it in my odds and ends. I was mentioning it here because I think it makes it more sense. Um, and I mentioned it earlier. You were talking about how you were hoping ratigan survived just so he could see the photo that they took when they escaped the trap earlier. Uh, and I was wondering if maybe he could have because I don't know if rats are one of these animals, but mm. a lot of small animals like that can fall from very high. Ha- like squirrels can fall like hundreds of feet. Yeah. and survive because their their like terminal velocity is not f- fast enough to like cause mm-hmm. them harm basically because they're so light mixed with like the surface uh you know of their body and how much air it catches. I don't know if rats are one of those creatures that can fall yeah, and survive like from great heights or not, but I know like squirrels and like cats to some extent um don't know how high it is but like anyways there's lots of small animals like that that can fall from pretty high heights and still be fine and i was and so it's very possible if they wanted to bring if they made a sequel and (laughs) wanted to bring radigan back they could use that as their explanation i feel like but again maybe rats aren't maybe rats can i don't know i have no idea how that works but i just know it's a thing anyways all right, those are all my questions. Didn't have anything for Lost in adaptation either. Questions about the what's happening or thematic stuff. Not really anything. And that's again like this, like 101 Dalmatians, A lot of these these kind of Disney movies from this era. Um, yeah, not a lot that I, at least to me, not saying a lot that I I find super interesting. Which makes sense. It's a kids movie. Like mm-hmm. whatever. It you know, it's not raising deep. <laughs> the amount of questions. But I will say, I think that is something that newer Disney movies are a little better on. Yeah. Because they actually delve a little bit more into like... Yeah. Some kind of deeper questions about like meaning and blah, blah, blah that I think I I find more interesting. But uh, there's nothing wrong with just having a nice, fun little adventure story. Anyways, time now to find out what Katie thought was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read?
1: everything i mentioned the encounter with the owl near the end of the book i still think that the movie's ending is overall better but i do think it would have been interesting to perhaps interact with a bird
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean sure i don't know why not yeah i was i was still
1: scratching for things a little bit here i I Um, think it would have been
0: fun to interact with a bird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, well, not?
1: initially, I was thinking like, oh, it might have been fun to interact with some other animals, and then I realized that we do interact with other animals in this film—a dog, a and, dog a and a cat, and a bat—and a bat. Yeah. Um, but I, a bird of prey could have been interesting. Yeah. Could have been an interesting
0: twist. Yeah, it could have showed up in the in the dirigible chase. Yeah, could have worked in an owl there.
1: Yeah. We could have somehow. <laughs> um, my my other note here is that I have to say. That I think the film's depiction of oh Ma- sorry
0: I just had a great idea we, we we get the ending where he falls off the thing uh-huh. and then we find out he actually whis- he he did the he did the Gandalf like whisper oh, to a, a an owl earlier and he comes swooping <laughs> instead of the dumb little helicopter thing he comes oh, swooping, up, comes on an swooping up on an owl yeah yeah and he yeah. survived because his his owl friend or whatever was like waiting and watching. And he like set that up earlier, which is a thing <laughs> that's a thing Sherlock would do anyways. Like that's have a, true,
1: yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I think they
0: could have done I think that would have been fun. Anyway, sorry.
1: <laughs> um, so I do have to say that I think the film's depiction of mouse society being like within human society raises perhaps more questions than it answers because we don't really see much acknowledgement of the human world which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. and while i don't while i didn't overall care for the book's fixation on basil being like wanting to be just like sherlock and like obsessed with sherlock i do think that the book did a better job of kind of world building that like specifically that idea of like oh we're mice and humans still exist, we just have a whole separate society within that society. Right. The movie, I think, kind of, like, brushes over that.
0: Yeah, it definitely does, because it's, I, I think, primarily just for time. Right. The movie and is it, very it, 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 short. Like, and it
1: doesn't really no, matter. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really no. matter, but, like... But that's fair. We're, hmm. we're being picky here. We're finding,
0: Leah, you're finding <laughs> nits to pick. So, that's fair. All right, let's go ahead and find out what Katie thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies.
1: I liked that Dawson doesn't already know Basil when the story starts. Because when the book starts, they're already like a detective duo. Oh, yeah. And I think it works a little better... For introducing the characters and the world. And also in the book, it ended up feeling a little bit like Dawson was kind of just weirdly obsessed with Basil.
0: I mean, that's accurate for Watson and yeah Holmes, I, guess I think. So. But yes, it is. They, they do the origin story. They do the, yeah, yeah Yeah, the
1: movie does the origin story. Yeah. Whereas the book kind of just plops us right in the middle of things. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I love how Basil has a framed portrait of Radigan on his mantle. Does, I miss that. He does. This, this is so funny to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, When he mentions him, <laughs> yeah, 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 And then he, like, points he, and he's points got, like, at a it. framed yeah, yeah. It's great. portrait of his nemesis yeah. on the mantle. Yeah. It's really, like, I, it's giving, like... Like hate is so close to love.
0: I, I could see that enemies <laughs> to lovers thing. I mean, yeah. Radigan's performance is not not queer-coded, I feel. Like. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. it maybe a problematic I mean, really thing. It was
1: probably more like lovers to enemies yes. and not enemies to lovers. Yes. But that's,
0: that's yeah, that seems more likely. Yeah.
1: I love the the scene in the movie where um Basil is using his chemistry set. And I, mm-hmm. I really I liked the look of his apartment in general. We yeah. don't get like a really good look at it, but I thought it was a fun uh-huh. depiction, kind yeah. of like cluttered and like yeah, there's feels interesting like the, stuff everywhere. The
0: standard Sherlock mm-hmm. messy genius yeah. apartment.
1: Uh, the way that Radigan mocks Basil in this movie does to me feel very true to the Sherlock Moriarty mm-hmm. dynamic from the from the original stories mm-hmm. from multiple depictions. Over the years. Feels Including feels BBC's very, yes, 2010 feels very in line with that. And I also thought that Radigan going feral at the end of the movie is legitimately pretty scary. Uh-huh. Like his his big rat claws, creepy.
0: I mean, and when especially when you think, assuming he's a rat and they're mice, a yeah. rat is way bigger very, than, <laughs> yeah. depending on the type of rat for sure, way bigger than mice. So yeah, that makes sense. That they would be, yeah. It was like it's like if you saw as a human, if you saw like a freaking Bigfoot, you know. It's like, (laughs) yeah, that thing could murder me. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and talk about a few things the movie nailed.
1: As I expected. Practically perfect in every way. Oh, we talked a little bit about this, but the mice in the book do like live in a society within <laughs> human society. They live
0: in a society. They
1: also live in a society. Yes, <laughs> um, but, but they're basic. It's basically like a mirror image yeah, of the human like world yeah. for reasons
0: unknown sure yeah because it's fun yeah because <laughs> then that way we don't have to do you don't have to explain anything you can just go it's oh there's a mouse queen there's a this, yeah. this a that it's basically <laughs> dawson exact...
1: dawson is an Anglo afghan yes war it's <laughs>
0: exactly the same as the human world just with mice <laughs> you you understand <laughs> like you know that you know makes your world building a lot easier
1: uh, there is a similar-ish scene in the book to when Basil first meets Dawson, and he like deduces a bunch of stuff about him yes. just by looking at him. That's the
0: only time the movie does that, which is the thing that the Sherlock TV series, the BBC one, leans into constantly mm-hmm. in a way that's a little obnoxious. But like it, um, he only does it once in this movie. Yeah, whenever he does like the quick deduction, like uh, yeah. this, 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 you so this like uh, yeah. Whereas Sherlock does that. And again, I don't know how accurate or how true to the rest of the stories the BBC's version of that is, but in the BBC one, he does it constantly all the time to everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there, there's like a similar-ish scene. Yeah. It's with a different character, obviously, because we already know Dawson in the book. Yeah. But there is a very similar scene in the book. Um, And my last similarity here is that both stories end with someone else showing up at Basil's door with a new case for him to solve.
0: That's a pretty standard Sherlock thing, yeah. isn't it? I think, yeah, I think so. Cool. All right, let's get to a handful of odds and ends before the final verdict.
1: I just want to mention that I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but there, there are like four or five, five, fidget the bat jump scares yes in this movie yeah. every single one of them terrified me as a child
0: yeah Is it creepy like the he's way a and, creepy and, and, little and i think guy. It's several times it's like through glass distorted yeah. or yeah, something st- yeah, like yeah. they do other things to make it even creepier than yeah but i think fidget's cute in this movie Ooh. i think he's i think it, i think if you saw a plushie of fidget with a okay, little peg leg and a, a
1: he's he's just a weird little guy yeah
0: in like a cute way i think i think the movie doesn't portray him that way but i think he would yeah. like i think i, I think devoid I of think, the context of the film if you just it, saw I, a plushie of fidget you'd be like that's adorable i think
1: it would have to be a plushie because i also don't like the way he talks
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that's fair they're yeah but uh, yeah, I think, it, or or even, you know, just a little action figure. I think you saw it when you didn't know anything about it. You'd be like, look at that cute little bat with a peg leg. It's adorable. I think. Yeah. I think. I just think it's in the movie. He's creepy. But, anyways. Uh, speaking of adorable, the performance by the little kid who plays Olivia Flaversham is very adorable. Whoever's the kid yes. that got to do that voice acting. She she or he. I don't know. The the character's a girl, but that doesn't mean uh, yeah. <laughs> who knows, because they could have got. But um, whoever that kid was, I did that very like adorable voice acting performance.
1: I had forgotten that this movie <laughs> makes yes. beer look so good. <laughs> True. It, it makes beer look way better than it has any business looking. And I say that as someone who drinks beer. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so foamy mm-hmm. and it kind of looks like a root beer float.
0: Yeah. No, they make it, it's like butter beer. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah for <laughs> sure. It's got the look of something that is way, way, definitely, you know, maybe problematic depiction of beer in your <laughs> kid's movie is to make it look like delicious butterscotch nectar or something (laughs) but yeah it does look pretty tasty
1: i had also forgotten that the score of this is very cute Mm -hmm. like it's it's, you know it's not incredible it's not like
0: yeah earth shattering
1: but it is a very cute little score i especially i like the little main theme
0: Mm -hmm. yeah And, and that really like that that's my last note too is that it really the movie is kind of just a nice and enjoyable little diversion. It's nothing incredible. Um I didn't like it as much as I was hoping uh, again but that was mainly based on the fact that I thought I was going to remember it more than mm-hmm. I did. And I think what's likely the case is that I had this movie mixed up with The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under and probably another two all the, or all the three other movies. Mice movies. <laughs> and, and probably even other things apart yeah. from that. To where I had all of those things banging around in my head, and I didn't know what from this movie was actually from that. Whereas maybe a lot of the things that I like, that I felt like may have been from this movie, are actually from like again other movies.
1: I bet you uh, probably the Rescuers Down Under. I
0: bet. I know I watched the Rescuers Down Under like quite a bit Mm -hmm. as a kid, but I thought I also watched this one a lot. But again, it just didn't. It did not ring the bells that I was expecting it. Too, because I could have swore I watched this a lot as a kid. Maybe I did. I just and for whatever reason, you could
1: also be thinking of the Fivel movies.
0: Uh, yes, that's those another one. Five. are also Fievel, mice. Fievel Goes <laughs> <West>. Yes, <laughs> lots
1: of anthropomorphic mice in this era. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, Fivel and American uh, Tail yeah. or whatever, and Fivel Goes West. Yeah, no, that's another one that I, I also probably because I know I watched those again. I think all of those got mixed yeah. together, and I just think that I thought more of the stuff I remembered was from this than it was. And you know
1: what else? I, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a really long time since I've seen the American Tale movies, but I'm pretty sure Five Go Goes West also has, like, a cabaret scene in it
0: maybe I don't know
1: I'm pretty sure it does maybe it does maybe that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of maybe sure I'd go watch that because
0: that was the thing is that when we got to this I felt like I had a memory of this but then yeah. when I watched it I was like I don't really I bet
1: you're thinking of Five and Will maybe Goes I'm West. thinking of
0: Five Will Goes West because I know I watched that one too and maybe I'd, maybe that's the one that's banging around right in my head is that based on a book?
1: I don't think so no that's too bad it's <laughs> it's based on the indomitable spirit of the American immigrant it's <laughs> it's
0: true, it's true. But that could also be based on a book. Notably, no American immigrants ever wrote any books about their experience here. Famously, that never happened. (laughs) Uh, anyways but point being that yeah i i I enjoyed the movie but it wasn't um it didn't it didn't hit me as much as i was hoping it would based on Mm -hmm. what i thought were my memories of it and then i realized that maybe i just had memories of other movies so uh more so than this i did remember parts of it and i definitely had seen it but just didn't it wasn't the like oh yeah this that Mm -hmm. i was expecting so i just i enjoyed it but nothing nothing to write home about Before we wrap up, we wanted to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, or Threads, or anywhere else that you can find us on social media. I mean, make sure it's actually us. Those are all the places I know we are. There may be some fake accounts (laughs) on the place. Probably not, but... um, I don't think so. I've never looked for any.
1: I don't know that we're worth spoofing.
0: I would agree. Um, But you never know. Uh, But anyways... (laughs) My dad gets a,
1: a, I cannot his, figure that out. Gets a
0: Facebook account <laughs> copy made of him every other month, and he, I don't know why. So who knows? I'm sure there's our podcast might be too. Um, anyways, point being, uh, follow us on all that social media. Interact with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say because uh, then we'll talk about it on the next prequel episode. If you want to do us a giant favor, you can head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to our podcast. Drop us a little five star rating and write us a nice review. We'd appreciate that. And if you really want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us there for a few bucks a month. At the $5 and up level, you get access to bonus content. We just released yesterday, actually, our episode on uh, Enchanted. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear us talk about Disney's Enchanted, that is our January bonus episode. We'll do another. We do a bonus episode every month uh, for the $5 and up patrons. Uh, and yeah, you can hear us talk about Enchanted. And then at the $15 and up level, you get access to priority recommendations, which is, means if you have something you'd really love for us to talk about, hear what we have to say about it. Give us that 15 bucks a month, stick around for a little bit, and then recommend it, and we will throw it to the top of our queue as quick, as, as high as we can get it reasonably with the rest of our schedule because we book things out months and months and months in advance. But we'll get it up there as soon as we can. Uh, and Katie, this one was a, a a request from one of our academy award-winning patrons
1: yes it was this was a request from shelby suderman
0: there you go thank you shelby for requesting the great mouse detective now it's time for katie's final verdict now are you ready for your sentence sentence
1: but there must be a verdict first sentence first Verdict afterwards. The Great Mouse Detective might not be in the upper echelon of animated Disney, but it is a fun little romp that, in my opinion, has more in common with the return to form films of the Renaissance era than it does with the films that came directly before it. It offers fun characters, including an iconic villain, a high-stakes plot, and interesting set pieces, along with animation that still looks pretty good. The book was exactly what I expected it to be. Cute, but nothing groundbreaking or particularly memorable. Like many children's books that we cover, I suspect I would have liked it more were I in the intended age bracket. Overall, I think the movie's choice to retool the overall plot, give Basil a personality outside of admiring Sherlock Holmes, and utilize Radigan, bolstered by an incredible performance from horror icon Vincent Price, as the central antagonist, all helped elevate the great mouse detective over Basil of Baker Street. For those reasons, I'm giving this one to the movie.
0: There you go. We didn't really get into it, but yeah, Vincent Price's performance as Radigan is oh, it's fantastic, great. incredible, it's delightful. It's amazing. I did mention it's me, you know, maybe slightly problematically queer coded, but in a fun way, kind of mm-hmm. in the way that the D- Disney villains. <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> he's he is playing it as like classic horror kind of villainy ish, kind
0: of. I don't know. Like, there was more sort of verbose, like uh, which obviously some classic horror film, but like there was more like uh, drama, quote unquote, to perform, but in a way that I thought was really interesting. I don't know. I was it's not. In, it was I, not I, when what I, say I was classic. Expecting. I
1: mean, it's it's in the oeuvre of like older villains that are like very theatrical and flamboyant.
0: Yes. Yes, which again, I still... Yeah, but I think that is all rolled up in a... Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> in, in a, it's
1: again, it's Coast Code coded. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it's interesting. It's a lot of fun, An incredibly fun performance. And yeah, it, it plays well against uh, sort of uh, Basil's more kind of straightforward Sherlock Holmes. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun for sure. Katie, what's next?
1: Up next, we are talking about... Never Let Me Go, Mm -hmm. a twenty ten film that I've never heard, based on the two thousand five novel by Kazu Ishiguro.
0: Yes, which we have done before. Or that author, right?
1: Yes, uh, that is the author of um...
0: Uh, 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 a Room with a View. No, no. Uh, Also
1: British, though. Oh my God, uh, I'm uh, blinking. I just had it. Oh
0: my gosh, the one with um.
1: I I want to say a separate piece, but I know that's not the right book. No, the
0: one with Anthony Hopkins, who's yes. a butler. Oh my gosh! Uh, remains of the Day. <laughs> remains of the Day. That's it. Yes, uh, yes. The remains of the day. Uh, same author. Uh, another adaptation of a different one of his stories. Uh, i I've never heard of it. I remember. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed Remains of the Day, the book or the film. I thought was you know a, a, an enjoyable little film. So I'm interested to see what this is because I know yeah. nothing about it. So. I literally had never even heard of it so that's gonna be our next episode that'll be in two weeks time we're talking about never let me go but in one week's time we'll be talking about what you all had to say about the great mouse detective and previewing never let me go and all that good stuff that we normally do on those prequel episodes until that time guys gals on pals, and everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and, and keep keeping being awesome, awesome.